Hey guys, this is Mo Sider from the Detroit Red Wings. You guys listen to Lockdown Red Wings. You're Locked On Red Wings, your daily podcast on the Detroit Red Wings. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Lockdown Red Wings podcast. Today is Thursday, August 5th, 2021, and today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need. We have a very fun episode for you guys today, a sneak peek. I dropped a little hint last week. Unfortunately, the live stream didn't come to fruition. I'm sorry about that. We do have an excellent uh, special for you guys today. We're giving you a sneak peek of it, anyways. Uh, and that's the Prospects and Pancakes special that Scotty and I recorded with uh, Mikhail Holm, Sam McGilligan, Will Scouch. Uh, it was a ton of fun. It ended up being a two-and-a-half-hour thing, so that it will eventually be up on YouTube. Uh, the unfortunate part is that we kind of have a lot of red tape to kind of go through um, to get that all set up because of advertising and things like that. So hopefully it will be in the next week or so. Um Again, I'm sorry, that's not up yet, but this is a fun sneak preview today. We do talk about the pancakes, we do talk about the prospects, and that's all you really came here for, right folks? Uh, check us out tomorrow, we'll be back. We're going to talk about all the news, I know the Bertuzzi re-signing we still haven't talked about. Uh, we had a fun episode yesterday with special guests Pete Rorig and Isa Rowan from uh, Red Wings Twitter fame, uh, so go check that out if you haven't done so already, but... Uh, we'll be back tomorrow to do a current events. How do you feel about it? Friday episode. We're gonna have a cool. We're doing an interview tomorrow uh, with a goalie scout. We're gonna deep dive on Sebastian Kosa next week, even farther than we did in today's episode. Uh, so I think you guys are gonna like it. We got some good stuff coming up. A good blend of shenanigans and informative uh, things. So uh, we'll see you back here tomorrow. Enjoy the prospects and enjoy the pancakes. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Lockdown Red Wings podcast. I don't know what day it is. I don't know what day we're going to post this. We got a pancakes and prospects special. It's going to be tons of fun. I'm joined here by four of my greatest friends. Uh, thank goodness Tony uh, Ferrari isn't here because then I wouldn't be able to say that. Uh, he is unfortunately, uh, he's, he's going through one today. He's up at a cottage. I think he's celebrating the end of draft season. He was supposed to be here. My hope is that he he randomly pops in and we can all dunk on him a little bit. But until then, I'm joined by uh, three of the best in the biz, plus my co-host, Scotty Bentley. He's also one of the best in the biz. I don't want to exclude him from that. Will Scouch, uh, Carl, or <laughs> Carl McHale. Mikhail Holm, Sam McGilligan, Scotty Bentley. What's going on, guys? Prospects and pancakes. I'm so excited. Hi. Now, no. uh, <laughs> this, 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 whole, this whole episode, this whole special was encouraged or inspired by a conversation that Mikhail and I had. So I feel like we should give some backstory to this. I don't even remember what we were talking about. We were just talking about like things that made us sad. We, we were having a, we were having a sad moment in the DMs. Wow. wow. And, and uh, we were like, you know, you need to hold on to the things that make you happy in life, like brunch and pancakes. And then we made a plan, you know, when, what, Hey, once this is all over, let's go get some, some pancakes. You're going to come to Detroit. And I was like, why wait? So we hopped on now. We're doing a pancakes and prospects special. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Nothing makes me happier than when my stupidest ideas come to fruition. And I have to say, this is probably at the top of the list. So uh, no. thank you. Thank you all for uh, uh, humoring me 
with your presence today. Uh, I could not be more excited and thankful as well that you guys made the effort to, to show up here on a Sunday. Any excuse for your pancakes, baby. And Yeah. And uh, any excuse to dunk on Tony Ferrari as well. We wish also you were here, terrible. Tony. Uh, it would be a lot of fun if you were. But let's get into the Red Wings draft. I mean, what did you guys think of it as a whole? What did you guys think of the draft as a whole? Actually, let's back this up. How are you guys feeling now that you're you're chilling? I'm still how, how going, like, what the hell honest? happened? <laughs> I have no clue what the hell happened last week. But, like, um, I, it is what it is. Like, we all knew it was going to be a clusterfuck. I'm relieved it's over. It's over. Yeah. A lot of build up. Finally, this, yeah. this draft class is it's gone, over and yep. done with. Yep. Outside yep. of the obvious, uh, you know, things to close round one that made this draft a little bit nauseating, what was some of the, the biggest surprises to you? What were some of the, wow, I did not expect that moments uh, in this draft? I think, you know, certainly some of the guys who fell into that second round surprised a lot of different people, but I'm sure there was a lot of other things as well. Uh, I mean, I wasn't surprised, but I was also kind of surprised by a lot, but the amount of times Carolina made trades, uh, throughout the entire process was wild. Um, I think they now have what 12 picks for next year or something like that was bananas to me. I can't believe that they're the only team in the league that like leverages that strategy that strongly. I mean, it's, you know, I don't, I think in certain cases it didn't pay off for them, but I also think that I don't think they care. Like they're just kind of we're stockpiling and stockpiling and stockpiling. Is your cat on your head? That's amazing. <laughs> oh, that's great. Uh, I don't know, but yeah, that was the thing. Oh, that was, that was the thing that stuck out to me. That? The, the the towers there, Mikhail. Yeah. This is if you're not listening, if you're listening to this and can't see it, uh, Mikhail's cat is standing on top of a tower that just so happens. To be directly behind Mikhail's head, so it looks like there's um, a cat on his head. But yeah, I mean, there's obviously shocking stuff that happened too. So like, we can go through that as well. But in general, I just was really surprised at. I think I was surprised at the number of teams that also fell back on old habits of just drafting really big, rangy guys and hoping they work out. But I don't know. I'll pass it over to someone else who can talk now. <laughs> I mean, I'm not gonna lie. Um, quite a few of the picks in the first round made me go, "What?" Like. My brain did a whole range of emotions with the Ottawa pick at 10. I don't know how I feel about the pick. I'm not going to really comment on the pick itself. But when I heard U.S. national team, I was like, Chaz Lucius. Or are they going to be the team that reaches and takes Postajov at 10? Are they about to do something completely crazy here that I'm not considering? And then out of every single thought that popped in my head in that millisecond, not one of them was Tyler Boucher. And when it was Tyler Boucher, I just sat there at the screen for like two minutes thinking about what the hell just happened and what the hell I was in for. And yeah, yeah, it really just like set the tone for what happened afterwards because it like fell apart for there. Yeah, that thing was insane because when I I was in a in a a voice chat with our friend uh, Jordan Mallet, who is an Ottawa fan, and his his uh, stream was ahead of mine, so. All I heard when heard from him was, "Oh my god, oh my god, oh no, oh no, oh my god, oh my god," and he was like, he was legit like twenty seconds ahead of me. So that was all I heard. So I was like, "Who is it?" And he was just like, "Keep going, keep going, keep going." And I was just like, and then and then I also heard like USNDTP, and I was like, 
okay, who could it be? And then it's, then it's Tyler Boucher, and there was Dude, none of the possibilities that I thought about. That was one of the funniest <laughs> moments of the draft is when they cut over to the NDDP after they drafted him and nobody batted an eye. Like, nobody was ready for – they were like, wait, who? Oh, Tyler. Ty- hey, they took Tyler. All right, everybody. Like, hey, congratulations. Like, yeah. I mean, I, I feel like I – from what I've seen, I'm one of the more charitable people to that pick. But I that's because I'm also being, like, extremely generous and I'm terrified of Ottawa Senators fans. <laughs> like, I'm not terrified of them, so I'm going to criticize yeah, no. the shit out of the pack. Yeah, you wait. It'll happen to you. Uh, <laughs> well, but, but... But, like, I mean, but seriously, I mean, with Tyler Boucher, it is shocking that he went at 10. And considering who was on the board, like, I have no freaking idea how you look at Cole Stillinger on one hand and Tyler Boucher on the other and pick Tyler Boucher, but... I will also say that I've seen Tyler Boucher most of hit the games that he did play this year. Not all of them, but quite a few. And if he wasn't hurt and played the full season, I could easily see how he would be in the first round on my board. I don't think he'd be particularly high, but in a range where it's reasonable, especially in a draft as weird as this, where if you're a team like Ottawa, which I don't agree with the strategy, but if their strategy is our NHL team needs to play like this. So we're going to draft players who play like that in junior and then just keep developing them. Like I get it, but I also go, yeah, but you're not drafting the best options. Like you're drafting the players that fit what you think your identity could be, which is basically just all Brady Kachuk top to bottom. But if, <laughs> but if, you know, but if, if that doesn't work, like if they play the Columbus blue jackets in three years and Cole cylinder scores two on him and Tyler Boucher crushes him once, it's like, I know which one I'd rather have. Um, so we'll see what happens, but, but I mean, it's still, risky and and then they're going around like trent man saying well i don't care what people say i have my what did he say he said something like oh i, I have got my, my own resources or something yeah, like that i, and I was like own, yeah oh, okay i have my brain. own brain or something i have my yeah. brain with the brain yeah. yeah it's like all right sure good luck you know cool <laughs> like they just it seems like they're just building a team of really good third line hockey players you know like a whole bunch of barkley gaudreaux and it's like all right, we'll see how that works out. <laughs> I don't think anyone's like leaned into that kind of play so constantly, but I don't Let's know. see where it goes. It's all about the identity with the Senators. And yeah. the thing with like reaching on a player like that is if someone falls throughout the draft, let's say like Simone Robertson falling to the third, there's a bigger chance that there's something there that like everyone was seeing and scared them off because, you know, every team made the decision to pass on them twice or nearly every team, depending on who traded picks. But for someone to be breached on like Tyler Boucher at 10, all it takes is one general manager. Yeah. That's just like, yep, I see something. Yeah. There's a good chance that if Ottawa doesn't take that pick, he falls another 12, 13 spots, or maybe he goes three spots later. Who the fuck actually knows? I'm certainly not one of them, but there were so many talented players on the board who from a pure asset management point will likely be more valuable trade assets two years down the line, let alone better players too. But I guess we're not looking at that when you're building an identity. Um, I did see Pierre Maguire yesterday at uh, USA, USA hockey yes. arena. You know, he was, he was I'd hope he'd be there. This is what he's been somebody... talking about. <laughs> Everyone's somebody... like, look at him. I'm like, yeah, I, know. I fucking <laughs> hope so. <laughs> I made a joke. Somebody tweeted me, uh, locked on senators tweeting me. They were like boots on the ground. I was like, yeah, I bet the analytics community wishes he was booting up a spreadsheet instead. You know, uh, that's good, not a good, good to job, see him, man. No, I thought it was in a vacuum. It is, but you know, not not when you repeat it. I think. 
Maybe like a really old like 70s vacuum. Yeah, that's, folks, like that's tough, man. I should have put folks and two commas in front of it. Then that would have made it funny. <laughs> uh yeah. Well, so I want to go back to something that Will said about drafting the uh, you know, that you see teams kind of opt for the bigger ranger play. Do you think that that was just like a matter of the the limited sample size or the limited live in-person viewings, if any at all? And it, it I'm I'm starting to wonder like when GMs pick guys who are smaller, do they need more viewings to confirm that the guy is going to be able to go? And then this comes down to a matter of, well, we got two guys that we're kind of even on. Let's take the bigger guy. Cause that's it was just a pure guess, but I just think a lot of it is NHL teams still like it seems like about 90% of NHL teams, when it comes to thinking outside the box, especially, especially with defensemen. I think for about 90% of NHL teams, they've like dipped their pinky toe into new ideas and they've said, okay, we tried it there and it didn't work. Right. Like (laughs) they'll draft one or two skilled five foot nine, five foot 10 defensemen who are also measurably solid defensively. And they may not have worked out yet, or they're struggling to earn NHL minutes because coaches then don't believe in them or whatever. Um, and then they're going, okay, well, it didn't work. So we're going to just fall back onto old habits. And they also look at what ha- I think the NHL playoffs this year broke like 10 NHL teams. They just, bro- it just broke them because they just looked at the Montreal Canadians and like who was on their defense group and said, well, if that defense group can get to the Stanley cup, then we should build a, def- like, look at all the contracts that were handed out mm-hmm. a lot of three, four, $5 million deals for third pair defensemen, like maybe number four defensemen. What Rasmus Ristolainen which- got in a, a- trade yeah got a know. first yeah, round like pick for, and a, not even a first round a lottery pick yeah a lottery pick like the pick that became who was it wait oh what i thought um, Russell no, uh, Russ- oh Russell yeah the rasin pick right. um but uh, yeah I, just, I, I think it's just old habits like it's like nhl teams then saw that what they think doesn't work actually still doesn't work and now mm. they're like, well, uh, we may as well, like if we have to choose between a five foot 11 defenseman and a six foot three defenseman, we're taking the six foot three one because there's more of those in the NHL, which in my view, it's like, well, yeah, there's more of those in the NHL because it's a sell- it's a selection bias. Like, I think a lot of the best players that went undrafted were guys that were under six feet and play defense, but we'll have to see what happens. I mean, obviously there's limitations to their game, but the you have to be aware of those limitations. Like even Sean Barron's fell further than I thought he would. And I'm not, a, I'm not the biggest Sean Barron's guy, but I didn't think he would fall as far as he did. And, you know, even Danila or not Danila Klimovich, uh, Dmitry Kuzman, he had a great under 18. He showed pretty much to everyone just how skilled he was on defense for a five foot nine guy. And even he kind of like, I saw him ranked in the second round a whole bunch before the draft. And I think he went in like the late third or something to, to Winnipeg. Um, so I don't know. I think it's just, there's that bias that came roaring back and probably largely because of the playoffs, but that's just my read. All right. I got to jump in to talk today about rockauto.com. They're a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years with the ever increasing number of makes and models out there. It is now impossible to stock all the parts that you need in a traditional chain storefront. You can save time and money with rock auto though. Uh, why would you spend 30, 50, even a hundred percent? Huh? For the same auto parts from a chain store or a car dealership, when you could go to rockauto.com, uh, get even better service, get something more accustomed or not something more specific geared towards your needs. Like you're you're not just getting whatever they give you. You can you can go through it all. If you're not a car guy, they make it real easy. I'm not a car guy. They make it real easy for me, and they have everything you need from brake parts to tail lamps to motor oil and even new 
carpet, just go to rockauto.com right now, see all the parts available for your car or truck, and write locked on in their how did you hear about us box that they know we sent you. They got amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need. It's rockauto.com. Right from the faceoff, Red Wings control, Conwall to Centerberg. I'm with him on this entirely. Like, I think the playoffs just convinced everybody. Like, I'm a Montreal fan, so I'm going to be honest when I say, prior to game five against Toronto, I was like, this team's identity sucks. <laughs> like, I liked the idea of the whole, like, you play with your heart on your sleeve every shift, this and that. Like, yeah, that sounds great, but the actual players executing this, not really the forward court, but the defense was not good. Then a miracle run happened which was in parts very earned and in other parts carry price and which is fine like i which see, is fine but okay, how many but here's, how here's, many of these defensemen that got signed are going to be playing in front of a fucking Vezina tier carry price like no. they covered he made Sherrod and Edmondson look so much better than he was and i feel like a lot of nhl teams didn't recognize that and are now drafting every signing every Sherrod and Edmondson they can find drafting every Sherratt and Edmondson they can find. And it's like, shit. Okay, sure. Something I just point out that really bothers me uh, is when the Canadians lose, everybody's like, well, that's what happens when you pay a goalie $10.5 million. And (laughs) then when they win, everybody's like, well, they wouldn't have gotten that far if Carey Price wouldn't have bailed them out the entire time. It was like, no, that was literally the plan. You know, like yeah, yeah, I'm with you on that. The I discourse. It, I love Carey Price to death, and I don't th- like the contract is whatever, but like the ability to steal the game out of fucking nothing yeah. is just yeah. beautiful, and, and, and happens, he does it regularly. Like, I wonder what alternate reality we'd be living in if the Montreal Canadiens lost that first round of Toronto in six games, even mm-hmm. like they're like ten seconds left in Game Five, puck bounces over Ilya Mikheyev's stick with a wide open net. If that puck bounces an inch less than it did, that puck is in the back of the net. Montreal goes home in five. Mark Bergevin might be fired. Mark like, Bergevin is fired. Maybe I don't Ducharme know. Ducharme doesn't get the head coach it, job. Yeah, like who Logan knows? Mayu who knows? probably doesn't get picked. Who knows? Um. And so, but now people are like, well, since Montreal pulled it off and the Toronto Maple Leafs humiliated themselves once again, we're in this situation where everybody is looking for that. They're chasing, like, I find NHL teams start to make a lot of mistakes when they're chasing something that they're not. And that to me is always really, really questionable, especially around this time of the year. I think NHL teams also are absolutely the worst identifying what makes a team good in in the in the playoffs because or like what what made the team the win because when Tampa won last year they were all like oh Blake Coleman Barkley Goodrow it's all it's all them it's all Jenny Gordon it's not not their top six where they have these incredibly skilled forwards and they have like Victor Hedman and Mikhail Sergeyev and all that it's it's, yeah. it's, it's these like add-ons in the bottom six that that was that's what makes them makes them win yeah and it's now this and this year is it's instead of like looking at Montreal and seeing like. Well, they had the hottest goalie for a month and a half in the world. Like the best goalie, he was the best goalie in the world for a month and a half. They instead look at like their defense and just like, oh, these are big, strong defensive defensemen. They are that's the future. That's how you win these playoffs. Yeah. One thing I will say as well to bring it kind of back to the draft is it the playoffs to me, I think, did teach me a lesson of that once the NHL playoffs comes around and everyone is given it a hundred percent. 
teams seem to not want to play with the puck. Like the way to win in the playoffs isn't necessarily big, physical and heavy. It's, it's pestering your opponent and pressuring them so hard that they mess up. And then you capitalize when they mess up. That's suiting. That's the tracking. So to bring that back to the draft, I'm not looking for, I'm not looking for big, heavy guys who punish people in front of the net. I'm looking for fast, agile, hardworking players who step over the boards and give you a shift that you can count on. Like that's what you need. And that's like, people ask me what's what I look for in players all the time. And the thing I, I say always is a really nebulous concept, but pace, like I need, I need guys who can get the puck, work hard and get it back and make quick plays and think quickly. Not necess- and even if you can't skate super quickly, like your one touch passing is really important. How you, how you are able to connect on passes and what you're doing, it's all very important. So if I'm looking at guys who were kind of low pace and they don't really push the pace of the game very often, and they kind of let the game go on around them, like that's a big reason why I had Sasha Pastishov almost at the back of my second round. Because if someone gets him the puck in the neutral zone, he's pretty good. Like there's skill and he can score and he's really smart with the puck but it has to be under his terms and conditions. Whereas when I look at a guy like Fabian LaSalle, I'm like, all right, even if he doesn't work out to the peak of his game and he's not the offensive wizard that he might be able to be like Nils Huglander is a perfect example of the type of skilled offensive player that plays with that pursuit defense style that translates itself so well, even if you're an offensively skilled guy and you can bet on that and bumping him over the boards every game. And the same thing with Matty Beneers. And that's why he was number one for me. Because you can blatantly see that in a playoff game, if he's playing his best hockey, you're going to get something that can win in the playoffs. And if he plays like that in the regular season, you know, you might not win 60 games and he might not score 120 points, but all you need is to punch your ticket. Mm-hmm. And so that that's something that it taught me is like the physical pressure side of the NHL playoff game where so much depends on counterattacking and pressuring when you don't have the puck. Not so much big, physical, heavy, mean defensemen. It's like it's a completely different version of the same concept, I guess, is what I'm saying. Yeah. That's like what Montreal really was just incredible at is their way yes. that they created pressure, the way they tracked on the forecheck, like pursuit, the, fucking, the second effort on every play. Like Montreal was a team that is truly built for the idea of playoff hockey, but everyone's misunderstanding what about them worked for yeah. getting them to the cup piles. It was not Ben Chirot being a big mean son of a bitch. If I had, if I was recording and I'm going to do this next year, just to probably prove a point one day, I'm going to just start recording all of the plays Sherrod and Edmondson and all of these defensemen do that are described as elite defensemen that do nothing, but keep the puck stuck in their own zone and then get bailed out by price. Like 10, 15 seconds later, it's like, no, they they can't get the puck out of their own zone. If you're supposedly a defensive defenseman who can't get the puck out of your own zone. Well, then I hope you literally never allow a goal. And considering none of them can do that, maybe we should stop prioritizing people who can deal with the problem at the last possible step and maybe just like start diffusing these issues earlier. This is why I really, really, really liked a couple of prospects defensively that a lot of people had a lot lower. And one of them is Will's boy, Jake Martin who I don't know how the hell he didn't get drafted because that was, that's his specialty. It's just, I'm taking this puck and I'm going to do something and I'm going to get it out of the zone because I don't want to be here and neither does anyone on my team. And the goalie doesn't want to be here either. So maybe we should just not be here. Maybe not. So all of this being said, 
the Red Wings with their first three picks uh, accumulated an average of six feet, four inches of height, yes. uh, drafting Sebastian Costa, Simon Evanson, and Shea Bouillon. What, Simon Evanson was a guy who we profiled him with somebody who didn't like him. Uh, and, and he was obviously a very polarizing player. What is, and well, I, I know I watched your, uh, your episode of scouting on this. What is your overall perception of, or, or just Simon Evanson and the Red Wings organization? How do you feel about it? To me? Uh, oh, yeah. Well, okay. I, I, we'll, we'll go around. Yeah. So Simon Evanson to me is, he's polarizing, but I don't really understand quite why. Mm-hmm. Like, I think, I think the polarization comes from how much an, of an impact his game could have in the NHL. But I think that the reason there's that it's so polarizing is because like no one actually knows. I don't think mm-hmm. anyone actually can be like definitively sure because so much of what's wrong with Simon Edvinson in terms of being an impact player is mental. Like, the physical tools are pretty good, especially for a guy who seems to be still kind of growing. Um, if, of all the top end defensemen to me, he's the most defensively refined though. Like his defensive game is very well refined, I think. And the trouble starts when he decides to pass the puck. Carrying the puck, he can be pretty decent at it. And if he gets stronger and faster over the next couple of years, then yeah. But I think, you know, I think the thing with Detroit is... I totally can judging by the fact that they did the reach on cider and it's turned out the way that it has, it seems like what Detroit is looking for on defense, especially also now looking at shy Booyan going off the board to them as well. I think they're looking at defense as just not necessarily guys who you can expect to score a lot of points with, but it's more about getting the puck up the ice one way or the other, like puck train. They need like puck stoppers and puck transporters. And both of those guys, Edvinson and and Sider, Sider is definitely a good puck getter. So is Edvinson. And if they can develop the rest a little bit, like they have with Sider for sure, he's a, he was a great puck carrier. Um, but, and so is Edvinson when he's good, but they need to round their game out. But I don't like, I think there's a world where Simon Edvinson could be a top three player out of this draft. When we look back on it, just because of his potential, Mm -hmm. but there is like, if he never sorts out the things that aren't necessarily technical, but rather seeing the ice, like his problem is just not being able to see the ice and do much with it. um, Unless he's just barreling up the ice or dumping it. Um, It's just, he's a weird character. He's a weird guy, but I think he's, if you wanted a defenseman in the top 10 this year, He's probably the, the, I think, the best chance of being a net positive defensive player out of all of them. And mm-hmm. I think his ceiling is extremely high. One of the things that I kind of thought while I was watching your episode on him was that, like, sometimes he looks like he gets the puck and he just goes, well, it'd be better to turn this puck over in the neutral zone than <laughs> right here. So he just, like, does it real quick. And, and, and like, it's like he doesn't really believe that there's a situation where you can get out of that sometimes. And so he's just like, I'll just turn it over elsewhere. Potentially. Yeah. But again, like some once in a while, and I've seen, I've watched him for two years now, like once in a while, you see some crazy, crazy high end skill out of him that you don't see out of defensemen that are six foot five. Like everybody talks about Owen power being so skilled for a guy, his size. I think Simon Edmondson, when he's really dialed in is a much more deceptive skilled offensive defenseman but he just, it just happens so rarely. And I don't know, it's, he's a weird one, but uh, I mean, and at six, you could make the argument that William Eklund would be the guy that you go for, but 
I think Simon Edmondson's going to be a rock solid defenseman and with, with potential for a lot more than just that. What do you got, Mikhail? Cause I know, uh, you know, you obviously were watching the Swedes pretty close this year. Had William Eklund number one on your board, thought he was the best player in the draft. I thought he was probably going to Detroit at six. They end up going Edmondson. Yeah, that's the only knock I have on the pick, really, is uh, is that they took Edison over Eklund. Uh, I, I don't think uh, taking Edison at six is that, that bad otherwise. I think it's a perfectly reasonable pick. And uh, Will has said almost everything that, that's, uh, that I agree with a lot, that we've spoken about Edison before us, too. And, uh, yeah, it's just like, the defensive game is there already, so he's he's already got the the floor like almost like he's got it figured out. He's gonna have like he's gonna be an NHL player, and if he doesn't like turn out to be a lot, he's still gonna be a defensive uh, bottom pairing guy that's gonna do well defensively. But like Will said, the sorry, Jonathan Erickson, two point yeah, but probably better. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would hope so. I would hope uh, better. <laughs> no, poor Jonathan Erickson. Great career, double digits in a, in in amount of years played, but he just he just took a beating for every single one of them here in Detroit. <laughs> 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 so what I think also is a little bit. I, this is only a theory that I, I'm the only one that has uh, probably written about this and also thought about it. But Simon Edmondson was six foot two years ago. So he's grown five inches in two years. And five inches isn't that much, but that's, that's when, like, if you're going from five, five, five to five, ten, maybe. But five, going from yeah, six foot to six foot five is, 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 is quite, it's quite the growth spurt, yeah. especially, especially when you're like 16, 17. Mm-hmm. So I think he needs to, uh, I think he has issues with his like technique when he's trying to pass the puck and trying to like just do these regular things because I think he just like haven't gotten used to his big body yet. And he also needs to grow like he needs, he needs to. He's pretty lanky still, like getting strong and just all that. I think he's gonna sort out a lot of issues he has. Then of course it's his decision making that is like mental, but that is also something I think he can sort out because you sometimes you see him like just threading passes and doing like great, great work, just like finding the right lanes and stuff. So I think the, the people that had Simon Anderson very low because of his issues with passing are overlooking a lot of things that he does extremely well already as a 17 year old or 18 year old he's now. But well, so, so I think, I think it's a perfectly fine pick. Just going to jump in and talk to the folks today about BuiltBar.com. Did you know that Built Bar has many delicious flavors? There's something for everybody. When you talk to a Built Bar fan, they're definitely passionate about their faves. I know I am. This week, I'm all about the coconut. Now listen, I've been down on coconut before. I have not treated coconut kindly with my words in the past. But I'm just on a kick. You know, something about the summertime makes you feeling good, makes that coconut just a little bit better. But even if you don't like coconut, they have eight other delicious flavors. Cherry Barcia, raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, strawberry, orange, cookies and cream, German chocolate. Um, if you haven't tried all the flavors, one thing I would recommend, going to Built.com, getting a mixed box. You'll get two of each of the nine flavors so you can try it out. And then you'll know which one you're going to be a fan of for life. Because as soon as it hits your lips, you're like, holy crap, this is the one. Uh, unless you're like me and you just happen to love all of them. That will probably end up being uh, what happens to you as well. So go to Built.com right now. Use the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off of your order. That's promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, for 15% off at Built.com.
to Lidstrom, couldn't one-time it. Lidstrom to Zetterberg. Cornwall shooting, score! Cornwall wins it, 400 for Chris Osgood! To that point about him just recently growing is like that, that's kind of the, the gist that you get. And like Chris Draper uh, mentioned during the press conference after they drafted him that they want him to add size, they want him to add muscle. And I just wonder how much of that, you know, because uh, his his poor decision making, it just typically looks like a rush decision that went poorly, you know, like, and so I wonder I, I, I don't know what it's like to grow five inches and then be getting hit in a hockey game, you know, like that, that's, there's gotta be some pretty high level of uncomfortability there where you're like, man, I don't know how to fall anymore. You know, like it, it's a different ball game. You're thinner. And, and I'm sure that that has a lot to do with it on as well. Um, yeah. I am extremely uncoordinated and also six, four, and I totally I totally get why Edvin, like the idea that Edvinson is just still figuring out just the finer technical details. Like Bambi. Yeah, kind of like, like that. Like, man, he's just. There you go. <laughs> sometimes I started to pick up on this towards the end when I was watching him. Sometimes he, there seems to be a connection towards kind of bobbling the puck and losing control a little bit when trying to make a move. And when he gets his tunnel vision and starts losing control of the play and when he has the puck completely settled on a stick and he's just able to play his game is when you start to really see the, the vision and the creativity show through. And I agree with what Will said. He, it took me a while to see it and I didn't even start to notice it until he pointed it out. But like his defensive game is, especially in the Osvenskin is actually really projectable and i'm not really concerned with that he does so many things great until suddenly he doesn't mm-hmm. like that's, that's just kind of like the thing with edvinson and yeah. you hope that he just stops making those decisions as for detroit taking them i i said the same thing i think i said it to your dms after the draft it's like <laughs> man i see what they're going with it's most cider 2.0 except this one's less of a reach he's really really moldable and development can turn him into an absolute specimen of a hockey player. And there's so much to work with. I could, I'm probably going to regret being lower on him to be honest (laughs) with you. Like I, I just see things, I guess, in other prospects, but this is one of those cases where I have a feeling like three years down the line, I'm going to look back. Shit. Well, all right. Well, lesson learned. (laughs) <laughs> yeah like the thing the thing that's kind of funny to me is like i don't know exactly if anyone did this specifically but people seeing people putting owen power at like one and simon edvinson at like 13 yeah like, like and it's guys like, hey, no they're they, they're too similar in terms of what you're looking for and what they're hoping there be to see a 13 pick difference yeah so i mean i thought edvinson kind of went undervalued past a certain point but i mean i sat there really frustrated watching him a lot this year because, but that's only really because his like potential is up here, yeah. You know, and you know, and you know what he could be capable of, and yeah, like like Mikhail said, like the growth spurt. Even I noticed, like watching him last year. I think he was listed last year with Forlinda at like six one or six two, and this year he bumped up from six four to six five mid season, and like that's a lot of that's a lot. I mean, I'm six feet tall. I can't imagine being a teenager and putting on another five inches. So like, I don't know. <clears throat> I I think it's a nice upside pick, like. 
he's not in the NHL next season. I don't even think it'll be the season after this one, but he is a heck of a player. And at least I think he could be. Um, and beyond that, like, like Mikhail said, the only other guy that I really would say I would like punch my table and try to get Steve Eisenman to take is William Eklund. But the rest of the pack at this point, like, that's the pro- that's the trouble with this year's draft is there were so many guys at pretty much every pick where you're like yeah but you could also get this and do this yeah. and that would be t- that would be cool and you know yeah, go all over the place but yeah it was it was solid and I think with Steve Arzeman like based on what they've done with Mo Sider as well like I think that there's a there's a pattern there and uh, we'll see what happens. Now I think before- also just one one last thing about Edmonton is yeah. that. Uh, the strength part and stuff like that he's going to get because his mom is a personal trainer already. Like he has a, he has a private trainer who's his mom. So he's going to get all that like work done immediately. But he's also in the, like the premier uh, Swedish team that develops defensemen and like takes them to the next level, all of them, everyone who goes there. And he's at Fralunda who does that. Like they took the, you remember the, the insane Minnesota pick Philip Johansson who went, picked in the first run in 2018 I think where everyone was like what mm-hmm. he's he was great this year because he plays for Alunda like they they take defensemen and they develop them properly so I think just being there as well just getting developed and he's he's also their like prime their big diamond player that is young so you're gonna there he's gonna get the great development there and I think that's also a part of you really need to think about when you draft players because especially from Europe like what team are they on and I think Frölunda is the best team you can be on if you're a defenseman. Well, half of the Red Wings prospect pipeline is in Frölunda, so there's That's that as well. <laughs> now, uh, before we before we get off of Edmonton, what do you see as like the ideal uh, D partner? Is there one in Detroit system that you see him kind of eventually partnering up with? Side or right-handed? Yeah. <laughs> oh man, that would be ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> like, holy crap! That's I really do think those two guys could really complement each other in terms of being defensive monsters very quickly, get the puck back or just pursuit animals. The second the puck is across the blue line pressure, just using all bit of their size and their reach to just smother people, get the puck back, just completely shut off passing lanes and zones and then work together and facilitate it back up the other way. Both have the skating ability to jump in as forwards, both have the means to be really capable players in the offensive zone. Oh wow, you that sounds terrifying in the too. playoffs. Imagine, yeah, yeah, I was just going to yeah, imagine like, going that just sounds terrifying in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking. I would love to see Edvinson with like. There's a few of them. I'm just looking now. Like Philip Horonic could be an mm-hmm. interesting one with him. Albert Johansson, if he works out, I think could be an interesting complement. A bit more offensive. Um, because you said that too, somebody who can who can maybe move a little bit, like somebody yeah, Troy Stetcher, like those guys, those yeah. kinds of guys. William Valinder even like might be an interesting compliment, but I don't know if I would do that. That's a little bit too cowboy hockey. But uh, <laughs> I mean, they've got you know, the big Detroit's gonna have the largest blue line in history or something. I think <laughs> yeah. They would all be effective skaters who could transition the puck. <laughs> Yeah. Edmondson, Sider, uh, Boyum, and uh, Balinder all are above like 6'4 or something. Yeah. <laughs> wow, man, yeah. they're going to be good. <laughs> Holy oh, crap. We, we certainly hope so. We hope. <laughs> like, I'm seeing what Yaisman is going for with this defensive group going forward, and I'm just like, 
Oh, wow. That's talk about building an identity about something. Okay. If you're going to build an identity, pick that. (laughs) Like that makes me go when, like when Edvinson was picked over Eklund, I was like, okay, I wouldn't have done it. I'm surprised he did it, but he's doing something and it's Steve Yeisman. So I'm just going to shut up and just like watch (laughs) how he does it. And just this conversation alone is making me be more and more. I'm like, man, he really is doing something. I can't wait to see how this turns out. I will say, I will say that I'm looking at their forward group and it, it would be nice to have a forward in your system. That's like, you know, like William 2022 drafts for baby. (laughs) Yeah, I I guess. But I mean, like I'm looking at their defense pipeline and it's insane. Like more at cider. Albert Johansson, Gustav Lindstrom is okay, I guess. But like Philip Horonic, Antti Tuomisto, Kasper Konkonsalo is actually still pretty solid defensively, I guess. Simon Edvinson too, but William Valinder. If they like Shai Boon. But like, they've got a lot. And up front, uh, like Master Simone, Theodore Teddy Niederbach, mm-hmm. Lucas Raymond. Like that's good, but... They need anyway, more. but Simon Edvinson is not is not a, a a bad thing at all to have in your, in your <laughs> system. That's for sure. Uh, one of the things I when I was at the World Junior Showcase this week, I talked to I asked Nate Lee when I go, does Shai Booyam do anything unique? Because he was playing in a defense core with like Luke Hughes, Jake Sanderson. I was like, what does he bring that's unique to those guys? And he's like, well, he takes one step and he's from the wall to the middle of the blue line. So, yep. and uh, you absolutely love that. Now the. 15th pick in the 2021 NHL draft, not Jesper Wallstedt, uh, much to my chagrin at the time. <laughs> Two seconds after the pick was made, I came back around on it. I said, Steve, I trust you. Well, good. What do you guys got on Sebastian Costa? And how surprised were you that this <laughs> I don't pick came at 15? Uh, Sam, do you have something to say? I don't know goalies. <laughs> goalies are voodoo i don't think anyone knows goalies i just think people pretend they know goalies i'm half kidding uh, I, I i am no there is obviously an art to goaltending scouting that i will not bother to learn because it is definitely beyond my skill set but i think i just think there's so much post-draft development that is the biggest factor and who makes it to the nhl and who doesn't to the point where I'm just like, yeah, I'm just going to go with NHL scouts on this one. I thought Valso was better. I think his accomplishments were better. I think the fact that he played in the SHL at his draft year for the you know first time ever, <laughs> one of the major pro leagues, is just like incredible. And he didn't look like garbage. In fact, he actually looked good at times and extremely calm. And like to me, those are all the things that I know. And I looked at and went, wow, he's interesting. But that's the extent of what I know. And Kosa's technically taller and more athletic, I believe. And I'm sure someone way better than me could come up with a reason why that is worth going for first. I just stay clear of CHL goalies because they almost always disappoint in the first three rounds or get overdrafted. On one hand, that's true. On the other hand, Kosa was like a 945 goaltender, like a insane. Yes, but man, Edmonton was oh, so much better than the rest I of know. them. Even when Gunther was, I when Gunther went away, he only played half of their games because yep. he went away for the U18s. Yep. They still finished with a plus 64 goal differential <laughs> and a 20-something game sample. Yep. Where the other where only one other team even was above zero. And the other three were like minus 30 or something ridiculous. Like Edmonton was 
dominant from every second, whether Gunther's in the lineup or not. And on the off chance, something made it through Costa made it look easy. But like, I don't know. It's just that's 20 game sample size, that terrible division Edmonton being the Harlem Globetrotters (laughs) of the WHL. It's just like all of that are red flags, but that doesn't necessarily mean anything. Like Costa could still, he's huge and he moves really well. The thing, the thing though, with me and the Costa pick is like, it's a big gamble, but Detroit had the pieces to take a gamble. Mm -hmm. Like they drafted so often and they had so many friggin' picks that if, if they really do think Sebastian Costa is like the starting goaltender for the future for them, which you probably do if you trade up from 23 and trade that much to get him, like, uh, whatever I would have gone with Wallstead, but I do know, I do know that depending on the team, like, some people were a little bit more hesitant to like add him to their program for one reason or another. Um, whereas with Kosa, like they see him as just a hockey Canada rock star. And if you're a hockey Canada rock star, you can't do wrong. And, you know, like teams will always, always lean North American gun to their head. So with Kosa, I get it. We'll see what happens. Even if it doesn't work out and he's like a good backup for Detroit, let's say it's Nedeljkovic, Nedeljkovic, and 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 Kosa's your backup like obviously you gave up a lot and like at 23 and 48 you could have added some really really good players <laughs> whatever you know yeah. like whatever you're gonna be fine mm-hmm. all right that'll do it for today's show thank you to everybody who tuned in for today's prospects and pancake special thank you to mikhail holm will scout and sam mcgilligan for joining me we recorded that on sunday it was a grand old time And uh, I look forward to uh, all of you hearing the rest of this interview, hopefully on YouTube, uh, sometime in the coming days. If you have positive feedback, please do us a favor and tell us in our reviews. If you have negative feedback, please do me a favor and tell me in my DMs so nobody else sees it. We'll see you back here tomorrow, same time, same place. It's your team every day. Locked On Red Wings, your daily podcast on the Detroit Red Wings. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.